Welcome to this podcast from Zurich on critical suppliers and supplier management. Uh, my name is Alan Ross and I, I'll be your host today. Now, uh, supply chain is a, is a top area of concern for many organisations and uh, many of the organisations that, that Zurich works with. Um, and that's because your suppliers can be a, a source of risk and disruption, but they can also be a, a source of, of competitive advantage. And, and the challenge in that is, is how do we actually manage suppliers to reduce risk, uh, but also maximise the benefit we get from working with those suppliers. Um, and to answer that, uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Namde Ahuchugu, who is a, a supply chain specialist with Zurich Resilience Solutions, uh, Luca Bissani, who is a, a marine cargo specialist, and Alex Mitchell, who is uh, one of our property uh, team leaders, uh, in our underwriting teams. Uh, welcome to you all. Thank you. Good day to everyone. Hello. Uh, so first of all, um, what do we actually mean by critical suppliers? How, how would we identify a critical supplier and, and, and differentiate them from a, a non-critical supplier, I suppose? Uh, Namde. Uh, thank you, Alan. Um, I think historically, the, the definition of um, critical suppliers has always tended to be... Um, suppliers that where you have the highest contracts with or you have the highest spend with. Well, I think um, if you fast forward to where we are today, uh, I think that notion has changed quite considerably um, where critical suppliers and sup are suppliers that can actually um, cause a high level of disruption to your business. They may not necessarily be the highest spend supplier. They may not necessarily be the supplier that you've got the biggest contract with but they supply that critical component or critical service um, to, to your businesses, uh, which means that if anything goes wrong with that supplier, then effectively uh, your business goes on hold or comes to a, a, a grinding halt. Um, and um, I suppose we'll talk a little bit more about some of the challenges with identifying uh, critical suppliers f further on in the, in, in the podcast. Um, but a lot of organizations most of the time don't really have that visibility um, of critical suppliers within within their supply base. Um, I'll give a typical example from when I worked in industry um, a few a few years ago and um, probably about 80 to 90% of the problems I had with supply disruption always came from my second tier um, of suppliers. And that was always because we were speaking to the first tiers and asking them about supplier products um, and they, they would always defer to their suppliers saying that they had issues with supply um, from their supply base, which then meant that the, the, there was a knock-on effect um, and knock-on disruption to, um, to, to the organization I worked for um, at the time. So I think just bearing that in mind, I think it's really key and it's really critical um, for um, organizations to understand where those pinch points are within their supply chains and those suppliers with those critical components or services that can hurt their business are clearly the ones that are on their, their their critical suppliers um and i think alex and luca you can you can give your own uh, your own sort of viewpoint on on that as well yeah i i think also the as a namdi mentioned the sort critical supplier doesn't mean only being the highest spend supplier, for instance, is very important considering as well elements such uh, as uh, what is uh, the lead time, for instance, from uh, when the point of order to receiving 
the supply that we need. Consider also like the whole supply chain risk uh, in terms of, for instance, what is uh, the impact that uh, the wrong type of supplier may have in terms of, uh, for instance, reputation and customer confidence. So it's, it's just I would consider the supply chain just as a matter for procurement, but also something that needs to involve the, this risk element at the design stage as well. And um, the other elements to consider are perhaps like suppliers that may need uh, a long time to be also sourced uh, and qualified or a supplier, for instance, that may not have the necessary capacity, for instance, like to, if there is, a, for instance, like a um, sudden change in the demand uh, that needs to be um, catered for. From a property underwriting perspective, obviously, some of the key suppliers that we are looking at are the ones who will have the biggest claims. Now we've seen, and these are out of state figures now, over a 400% increase in claims activity through suppliers and supply chains. Um, since then we've had things like the Suez Canal blockage, the war in Ukraine, and then various other cat events around the world that have really impacted key suppliers to our clients. Um, and they have a direct impact on the, the losses we see, but also the effect on the business to recover from that. So, so really, we're seeing, seeing more disruption and, and also I, I think this sort of typical view or maybe a historic view of critical suppliers is just being the, the organisations we spend most money with. This, this is quite a multifaceted problem. Your critical suppliers might be actually ones you don't spend a lot of money with, but they, they, they have a big uh, impact if, if you suffer disruption. And, and I guess then, so what do we actually mean by if we, once we've identified who these organisations are, how, in practical terms, um, do we actually start to manage those suppliers? Yeah, I think one good point to start would be trying to map the supply chain, sort of like try to get out a, a risk profiling of the supply chain to understand where the critical areas are, where are the vulnerabilities and the possible uh, sources of uh, disruptions. Of course, this is very challenging because uh, many organizations may have uh, hundreds, if not thousands, uh, of suppliers. So it may, may be very complex uh, network to assess. And uh, another challenge, another barrier may be that uh, as well, like it's difficult to get uh, insight over and above the first year suppliers because there may be issues, for instance, like of commercialism or issues of confidentiality. Perhaps. Uh, one uh, place where to start was trying to get uh, a, an approach that blends a bit uh, what are like um, logistic network uh, design tools and techniques with what uh, are the business impact uh, analysis type of uh, approach to understand really where the, the criticalities are, for instance, like whether there are some uh, particular pinch points, like maybe like, for instance, like a particular border where uh, 80% of our products have to cross or uh, areas uh, concentrated in, uh, in geographies which are particularly um, hazardous from a, the point of view, for instance, of political risk or natural hazard risk. Um, some other perhaps like um, good uh, tips perhaps uh, would be like not to consider only the upstream side of the supply chain, but also looking at the downstream side as well. So, how would we deliver goods to our customer? Because there may be perhaps one 
a single uh, logistic service provider which uh, provide for instance 30 or 40 percent of all uh, the transportation so it could be a severe impact uh, if it failed also like it, it could be a, a useful tool for is like working sort of like this uh, this process flow or using to like a relationship uh, um, map analysis where we we look uh, across the the broader supply chain uh, where the department involves uh, what are the complexities and what are the relationships as well so so we understand a bit where uh, the the sources of risk are and where do we need to prioritize uh, our um, effort i think you you raise a very very good point about about complexity because it it differs within uh, within from organization to organization some organizations might have um, less complex very small supply chains um, some other organizations may have um, a high number of suppliers, complex critical supply chain maps uh, within their organization. So the question is, how do you, as Alan asked, the question is, how do you, how do you practically try to start to deal with the complexity in some of these supply chains, and how do you start to manage your relationships? And I think you touched on a very valid point, Luca, around uh, supplier relationship management or SRM, as it's known in in in, in supply chain and procurement fields. Um, and SRM is a is quite a straightforward process. Um, um, within uh, the purchase and supply chain functions where organizations start to look, they start to segment their, well, first and foremost, they break down their, their product lines into different commodities uh, from a sourcing perspective. And then within those commodities, they start to segment their suppliers uh, within those different uh, within those different commodities. And the segmentation can take different forms. Um, but um, practically, those, that segmentation should start to look at criticality of products, um, um, it should look at uh, criticality of supply chains. It should start to look at spend also, although spend is not the, the most important factor. But when you start to do that segmentation, you start to put your suppliers into different buckets. Um, and there's different ways uh, different organizations can classify, uh, classify or segment their suppliers. Um, the historical way of doing it has always been to do a... a, a um, um, category A, B, C, D type supplier with category A being your most critical um, high profile suppliers that could cause disruption to your business um, and then that criticality reduces down the uh, segmenta segmentation uh, table down to um, category D type suppliers where um, the very less critical, low impact, um, and um, you don't tend to have a, a very, very close relationship with those with those kind of suppliers. But when you look at your category A, B, and maybe C suppliers, you have to set up a uh, you have to set up a cadence of regular reviews with these um, suppliers because ultimately you want to know what's going on with them. You want to understand if they have any challenges, concerns, issues, you wanna share technology initiatives with them as well. Um, and ultimately it's about keeping close to these suppliers. It's about understanding their businesses, them understanding your businesses, so that if anything happens to them, you can plan effectively. And you can have a plan of succession for your suppliers. Uh, and when I say succession, I effectively mean that you have um, alternate sourcing uh, options uh, in the event of a, of a failure or, or an issue with your with your existing suppliers. For me, um, underwriters will be asking more and more questions. So you need to understand um, your risk management profile. Um, so you can relay that to the underwriters who are asking these questions. Um, 
we're trying to understand our exposures. Um, it's critical to us that we understand where our uh, catastrophe exposures are. If your suppliers are all in the same earthquake zone, that will give me nightmares as an underwriter. So we're asking you to give that information to us. Under the Insurance Act, you're now required to give a fair representation of your risk. So underwriters will be asking this sort of critical information so we understand, as Naomi said, where your bottlenecks are, how your resilience is put into place, how the business continuity plans are going to be working. So all this is key information to the underwriters who will be underwriting your risks. So really, really having that transparency and, and having that deep understanding is looking, Alex, say about that kind of the geographical spread and where these issues might arise. You can then look at it from a sort of risk lens to say, well, are they all in similar locations? Could they all be impacted by similar events? You know, and, and how might that flow through? I, I guess, Alex, so people listening to this might be thinking, yeah, I, I, I get that, but I need to get buy-in from you know others within my organisation. You know, how how do I do that? What? Why is it so important? You know, how do they sell it to colleagues? stakeholders within their organisation? Well, the key thing is that what we want to do is get your business up and running as quick as possible. Um, you don't want to be losing market share to a competitor who's filling the gap whilst you're trying to get your supplier's information or the details of who to go to to supply your raw materials because you haven't got that in place. Um, the business interruption claims for us will go up the longer that... Um, delay is in place so it's really important to us um, that we don't have those delays in place that we can get you up and running so your business is resilient as possible so your competitors don't take advantage um, of what you've got there and also the sheer basics of a claim requires financial information to be provided all those delays uh, and having to get extra information can affect the getting your business up and running again yeah, no, and I, I could echo those comments of Alex. Also, another like again suggestion I would go do about sort of looking at what are the the critical part of the supply chain as well. Like we need to have information about where the actual production and the storage location of within along the side of the supply chain are. Because sometimes also we have the problem that the customer have only the corporate addresses. Again, so that, that is not uh, a good enough, uh, I think, for us to carry out uh, a proper risk assessment and analysis. And then another uh, suggestion I would guess, again, is also looking when we look at the criticality of our suppliers as well, how, for instance, like in terms like of uh, how likely it is they would support us if there is a crisis. And uh, so I would be, rank, would be, be ranking in their picking order as well. So how collaborative is this sort of relationship? Yeah, um, just to add to what Luca and, and Alex have said, I think if you if you if you want to try and understand, and, and maybe this example is quite uh, relevant to 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 where we are today. If you want to try and understand why it's so important to know who your critical suppliers are, you just have to look at the semiconductor um, um, industry, uh, and that I think is the clearest example that we have um, in recent times around why it's important to understand who your critical suppliers are. Now the motor industry, the automotive industry was, was um, um, uh, quite significantly crippled by the semiconductor um, supply issue. But the reality is that these semiconductor suppliers 
we're not even first tier suppliers to a lot of the automotive companies. So a lot of automotive companies didn't even know what was going on in terms of the shortages because the disruption and the challenge was happening further down their, their supply base and they had no visibility of this. Now, obviously that is the landscape of that has changed today because a lot of these companies are now mapping their supply chains. I think Luca, you talked about mapping, they're understanding who their critical suppliers are within their supply base. And rather than just saying, oh, they're tier three or they're tier four, they're not that really important to us. No, they're changing the landscape of their risk profiles and they're bringing these critical suppliers to the forefront of their risk registers so that they understand that we need to keep an eye on what's going on with this particular supplier um in um in in industry and um even if you take um ourselves for example if you take zurich for example so we're not we're not we're not a manufacturing company um but we rely quite heavily on on technology um as well um as a as a business um so we have to keep an eye on the tech firms um, and the it firms that we work with to supply the tech to our business because if anything goes wrong in their supply chains then ultimately um we we're we're, we're impacted um by um by any sort of disruption that happens to those to those firms so it's really it's really key um to understand where your critical suppliers are and it's you know we know it's not always easy there's it, a little bit of a challenge um with organizations doing this but it's all about having a plan about how you how how you attack attack your issues and concerns so so namde it does sound yeah, it, it might sound like a lot of work. It might sound, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I need to get buy-in from others within the organisation and so on. I mean, what are some of those practical challenges that, that you know, organisations will face in doing this effectively and, and what can they kind of do to overcome those challenges? Oh, oh, there are absolutely lots of challenges out there, um, Alan. And just to elaborate on a few of them, so first one is 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 always the obvious one, which is which is the the, the resource and the time to spend on the supplier relationship management process. So to have those regular meetings with with your with your supply base um, um, and understand who who it is that could have a, a, a knock on effect to your business takes um, time and effort. However. The time and effort that an organization would invest in having that SRM program in place will yield uh, an immense amount of benefit um, on the front end. And I think Alex has also touched on this from an underwriting perspective. If you have that information in place, if you have, um, if you've done that pre-work to kind of understand where your pinch points are, then it makes the conversation a bit easier. It makes um, us providing that coverage a, a little bit easier um, for um, organizations. Um, and there's, there's also a challenge with, uh, well, sometimes there's a challenge with leverage as well. Sometimes you may want to start a supplier relationship management program with your supplier base, but your your only your the, the, those suppliers may not deem you as a a critical partner, and you don't have that much leverage with that supplier, so they may not want to engage in that program. Um, so there's a there's a there's a challenge in that respect. So how do you convince that? Um, supplier to engage with you to work along that supplier relationship management process and I think for me the way I've dealt with it in the past working in industry is about using data using the right data and showing the supplier that data and what that data means because um, uh, ultimately the the data speaks for itself and the data and the data will tell a story that hopefully convinces that supplier about the criticality of the relationship. Um, and supply relationship management doesn't always just have to be 
down to the procurement and the supply chain teams. It could be every facet of the business. So the quality teams, the customer teams, the sales and marketing teams, um, the, the manufacturing teams, everybody has a, um, a direct link relationship to their counterparts in the supply base to keep to keep that relationship uh, going um, and keeping an eye on your on your supplier to see what happens to them. So what we're talking about here is, is for those sort of tier A suppliers, if you like, the really critical ones, it's being deliberate. And, and, and kind of proactive in how you want to engage with them and what kind of relationship you want to have and, and, and going after that really, rather than just sort of letting it happen and, and you know, and put, leaving things to chance. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's all about that proactive approach. Uh, and as part of the SRM process, there's also, you also need to identify roles and responsibilities because it's all right developing a relationship and picking up the phone and calling them every day and having an agenda to talk about, but it's it'll be nice to sort of declare who owns what within that relationship so for example if there's innovational technology that's being developed who owns that relationship is it the engineering teams in your company talking to the engineering teams in their company who own that technology relationship if there's a contractual or commercial discussions that have to happen um is it the supply chain person talking to the salesperson in the supply base negotiating that contract so um we always use the racy the racy matrix um which is the responsibility accountability uh consult and inform matrix that kind of helps to define roles and responsibilities within 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 the srm process i'll stop talking now i'll let luca and alex uh give give some points as well from a, say, a, a property perspective that the key information now is that the more capacity you want the more information you're going to need to provide uh and also the better the quality information you provide will have a real impact as well. Um, Nambi mentioned the um, chips issue with the motor industry. We ensure uh, a number of motor factories around the world. And the key thing is if you're giving us good quality information and you're controlling your supply chain really well, we'll give you the capacity. And it, because we're now managing our accumulations um, with America and Germany and Australia, all around the world, we might choose to give our capacity to the person who's controlling their risk the best. So it's key that you're giving us that good quality information so we can put our bets on the right um, insured. So we are supporting where we're needed to, but we're basing that on good quality information. So we're managing our accumulations. I, I think accumulation is a very important point also ju just to give an example i've recently visited a logistic company in ireland whose uh, main customer is a global manufacturer of construction and uh, material processing machinery and the issue they had is that uh, um, they require to put in long-term storage uh, all of their uh, machinery for europe and EMEA because uh, they, they had like a, a two three percent of the supplier that were uh, missing due to long delays. So that, that uh, what uh, caused for, uh, the problem it caused for them is of course to arrange uh, this type of uh, insurance having this additional storage risk, but not only that, having all that uh, capital uh, tied in inventory and potentially having uh, some of their customers that may be pulled out from the purchase order because of the, of the delay. So perhaps this uh, could have been uh, very slow spend uh, in, in terms like of the low spend expenditure suppliers and uh, however like with the 
um, if they they known for it, like with a, with a sort of like supply chain event management, they were, if they were aware of the delay during the manufacturer the manufacturing stage, they would, they could have for instance like uh, taking some action, like for instance like uh, expediting the procurement, uh, getting achievement, etc., and uh, um, sort of most of these problems. Yeah. So, so if they if they have if you have better supply chain management, you've got that exactly exactly those plans in place, or you're able to you've got that relationship that maybe forewarns you a little bit earlier that gives you just that little bit more time to respond that could be really critical. That uh, yeah, that element of uh, exactly that element of visibility and uh, uh, knowledge of a critical assessment of the supply chain that was lacking, perhaps yeah. And, and su supply chain is, is really topical at the moment, clearly, but I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, is this, is it going to stay on the agenda? What, what does the future look like in terms of supply chain management and supply chain risk? Uh, Alex, I'll come to you first. Yeah, it's becoming a much, much bigger part of what we do. Um, as an underwriter, I have more sophisticated tools um, at my disposal, so we will be monitoring our accumulations getting better understanding of our exposure so that will control our pricing control the capacity we put out and that will also mean that we're asking more questions and getting that worldwide position that we've always sought as underwriters but it was always sort of in the background now it's very much to the forefront of underwriters thoughts so yeah it's critical for us going forward yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think what I see in in the future for the supply chain risk management, I think there will be um, a massive increase. I think in the use of uh, business analytics, sort of like just to kind of uh, try to get to grip with the complexities of the supply chain, and uh, I see there will also be a, a large need for broader interaction, a more a collaborative approach with the supply chain partners as opposed to an. Uh, sort of like keeping an arm length like as just as a supplier or business partners and um, yeah and perhaps uh, a, another uh, game changer also could be uh, reshoring sort of like companies that want to have uh, their suppliers uh, closer but uh, this may carry in itself some other risk for instance that uh, are entailed with the changing of the supplier base it may be risk in terms like, for instance, like of uh, reliability, intellectual property and, uh, and, and other. Yeah. I think one more thing I'd just like to add to what you said is um, because, you know, as we as we record this uh, this session in, in, in December of 2022, um, th there is a high cost of living within 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 the UK um, at, at the moment and, and, and the world as a whole. Um, inflation has gone up. Um, so I think supplier financial health will be a very, very big risk um, as we, we go into, into next year and beyond. Um, so understanding who your critical suppliers are and monitoring their financial health and working with them to, to create a little bit of stability within the organizations is key um, to keeping your organization going um, uh, and moving along. Um, and just to sort of bring you back to one of the modules that we offer from a from a ZRS from a zero resilience solutions perspective, we offer a, a critical supplier risk assessment module, um, and that particular risk assessment will help identify critical assets and facilities, um, including links within within your suppliers uh, or their distribution net networks. 
like we've always said, it's a continuous process. It's it's um, it's not static. It's quite dynamic. Um, and as the economy and the world throws different challenges towards us, um, um, supply chains and procurement professionals have to adapt and be flexible to, to, to manage these concerns. But thank you for listening to us. Thanks, Namdi, and th- thanks, Luca, and thanks, Alex, as well, for your uh, sharing your insight into this kind of topical and, uh, and challenging area. Um, and thanks to all of you for, for listening. Um, this is one of a, a series of podcasts from Zurich. So if you found it useful, uh, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and, uh, and also consider leaving us a positive rating. Um, if you'd like to get more insight uh, on a variety of risk topics, including supply chain, um, you can visit us at zurich.co.uk forward slash news and insight.